Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is an Audiomint original. Welcome to Nation of Animation, a cartoon book club podcast for all ages. I'm Ryan, one of your hosts. What's that sound? Oh, I hear big feet. What's that stomping outside? Let me open the window of the podcast studio. It's not stomping. I was trying to be like a house making sound. I was going to reveal that it was a big house outside. I'm sorry. Oh my god, look at this big house! I'm Brooke. How did this house get here? <laughs> this is why we should plan the bits out. <laughs> but we uh, we staunchly refuse. That's the, It's more fun this way. It's more fun when it's sort of a spy versus spy <laughs> shenanigans. <laughs> anyway, welcome anyway. to Nation of Animation. I'll say, so we're talking about Monster House today. Today's a Monster House episode. With a hotly anticipated... Highly prepared for. We've been building this the whole time. I'll say, going back to the bit, the thing is, we've been through some real house-like trauma recently. <laughs> so the whole time you were making those sounds, I was like, oh my, like before this episode, I was like, you know, talking about a scary house is sort of a, a lived experience for us. Yeah, it's uh, fresh. Yeah, fresh in the mind. So we're bringing you our all this Halloween season. We are indeed. Also, thank you so much for tuning in to Frankenpod. Yes. Uh, it was one of our like highest listened to episodes in, in a while. It was like so. very popular. We hope we can keep mm-hmm. the momentum going and keep churning out the hits here. Go ahead and tell your friends. Go ahead. As we'll you're tell you the now. beginning today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before, before you get to, we're going to do sort of a telethon. We're not going <laughs> to proceed with the podcast until we get 10 new reviews on <laughs> Apple Podcasts. That's not That's true. not feasible, but anyway. But thank you. Uh, <laughs> but thank you, we appreciate to it. To the, the citizens of the Nation of Animation. Yeah. So yes, we're doing Monster House. Monster House was released in 2006. It was directed by Gil Keenan, written by Dan Harmon of Community Fame, mm-hmm. Rob Schrab, and Pamela Petler. From a concept by Keenan, an original script by Harmon and Schrab. Yeah. I think that's neat that they're like, I know this happens a lot in Hollywood, but I do always think it's interesting when someone's like, I got an idea for something. Can someone else write it for me? <laughs> someone this else is do the it. Story. Here's the story. Here's execute. the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, Harmon and Schraub have worked together on, the, he's like a writer for Rick and Morty. They wrote together on oh. Scud, the Disposable Assassin, which was a comic book series. I think they both worked on like Channel 101 
uh, and like similar like sketch comedy uh, histories. So also Rob Schraub, this is for for uh, longtime fans. When we talked about cartoon episodes of live action shows, the GI Joe Community episode, Schraub voiced Cobra Commander in that. Ah, mm-hmm. we'll call back. Yeah. So this film stars Mitchell Muso, which people will know from Hannah Montana, as well as Phineas and Ferb. He's the he's the hot boy in Hannah Montana, not in, in Phineas and Ferb, right? He's the one that Candace yes, has a crush he's on. Jeremy. Jeremy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly not in Hannah Montana. Right. He's the goober Phineas in Hannah Ferb, Montana. Yes. Yeah. yes. Here's the real thing. I never really watched Hannah Montana. Like, I just missed it. That's on you, then. Yeah. I did. Mm-hmm. It also stars Sam Lerner from The Goldbergs, Spencer Locke, who had a little run in the early mid-aughts. She was on Ned's Declassified, Phil of the Future, and then her most recent bigger thing was Cougar Town. I don't know if it holds up, but Ned's Declassified was true. Well, I remember it being unassailable. I remember yeah. it being quite good. I remember it being just extremely funny. Like, yeah. I don't, maybe that's just like elementary middle school humor. Funny but. to us at the time, but yeah. A live action role from Darren Norris, a.k.a. Um, Cosmo. Mm-hmm. From, and Dad from uh, Fairly Odd Parents. Half the cast of Fairly Odd Parents yeah. is Darren Norris, yeah. But good for yeah, him. Cool. Uh, Monster House also features Steve Buscemi, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Fred Willard, Kathleen Turner, as well as in some bit roles, Kevin James, Nick Cannon, John Heater. Catherine O'Hara. Uh oh, what's his name from My Name Is Earl? Oh, Jason Lee. Ah, uh, yes, famed Scientologist Jason. Who Lee. I used to confuse with Bob Odenkirk. Oh, really? They're very different. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. So the general plot is: in October 1983, kids DJ Chowder and Jenny investigate the malevolent Nippercracker House that appears haunted and is in fact alive. So not cool. This is a neat spin on like the the haunted house structure where there's like a thing in the house, and in this one it's like no, just there is a spirit haunting the house, but the house itself is the avenue, is the mechanism of of monsters. Yes, no, no ghosts. Yeah, it's not ghosts and ghoulies like in your hill house or what have you. We'll get into the plot in a little while, but uh, the film takes place in Mayville, Wisconsin, which I thought was interesting because it's at Halloween. I thought mm-hmm. they should all be in jackets. Then. They should be freezing. It's well, so cold. DJ's got a fresh little sweater, though. I thought the textures on his mm-hmm. sweater were very nice. Yeah, just a little, uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe uh, they're built different. Maybe they're used me. to it. But yeah, the fact that Jenny is like just like skipping down the street in her little like private school uniform. I'm like, Jenny, I know you're you cold. would freeze to death. There should be snow Your on the bones ground. would be scattered in the wind. So this film is not stop motion, even though like if you just glance at it, you might think it was. The the visual style of this movie is fascinating. It's such a weird like chimera of, of structures and styles. So the way it was shot, it was shot more, at least for the voice actors, like a traditional film mm. in that they all had to come to work and act um, similar to like Andy Serkis's Gollum. Right. They were all in the little like tennis ball uh, or like the little ping pong ball yeah. mo- mocap suits. And John Hader broke his leg on the first day, right? Or is he it, did. His knee? He broke his ankle tripping uh, on wiring on the very first day. And Napoleon Dynamite and if you were just voicing, that may mm-hmm. na- not have happened. So the film was shot using performance capture. They perform the movements and the lines while they're linked to sensors. Uh, Robert Zemeckis, who also produced this film, did it for the Polar Express, which, as everyone knows, the peak of Uncanny Valley, like, unsettling-looking characters. That's Polar Express. 
Maybe we uh we haven't really planned our our holiday season episodes. Do you think we might uh, buy a ticket for the Polar Express? We may indeed. We'll set it up like a horror film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that should be next week's the, <laughs> the horrors of the Polar Express. So Robert Zemeckis was in the process of filming Polar Express when he met Gil Keenan, who visited the set. He wanted to see how they filmed it, and then they sort of mapped out this is how we're gonna do Monster House. So they wanted to prioritize the story before the filming technology. Uh, sure. I think they did. I think mm-hmm. that the script is the star of the film. Yeah, I think this is very, yeah, the the Harmon and Schraub. I think you can kind of like get whiffs of like the humor from Community and Rick and Morty in here. There's mm-hmm. just like certain, there's like genre tropes are turned on their head with like the monster house and certain like little one-liners and the way the characters like fill out the world feel, feel very... Uh, reminiscent of those other works. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Chowder is especially like this is a this is a Dan Harmon character to the core. Even with his little line about how his dad's at the pharmacy and his mom's at the movies with her personal trainer. Yeah, no, I thought it was very funny. I think the script was really well done. Um, the animation, it's not my personal favorite style. I don't know that it's many people's. It's so strange because it is CGI that's sort of that is like made to look like stop motion. Like mm-hmm. they are meant to be like renderings of like little clay models all their hair looks like they're meant to be they don't, they're not going for photorealist they don't, haven't like modeled all the hairs on their head or whatever it is it looks like they have tried to model the stop motion models of like a Coraline or a or a nightmare what comes before christmas and that but then also the motions are so fluid because they've like motion captured it so you get this incredible it's uncanny three ways it's in three different valleys it's in three different uncanny <laughs> valleys tri valley this, this juncture this this junction that they're in the uncanny uh like super highway that they find themselves in well i think the result to me in 2022 and not necessarily when this came out in 2006 mm-hmm. is that it looks like oh we almost knew how to do computer animation right it looks like we're like missing the real foundations, and it almost comes off as. Um, do you remember those? I believe they were TikToks, but they might have just been random videos about the baby in the refrigerator. And no, I'm sorry. Yes, you do. I do not know what you're talking about. Oh my about. gosh, let me. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yeah, the little song. Yes. Yes. What's the song? Something, something. Telling lies, no, Papa. Open yes. your mouth. <laughs> It's called Johnny Johnny Yes Papa. Yes, yes. I, you made it sound like it was like a horror thing. No, it's <laughs> like there's not. a baby trapped in a refrigerator. Maybe it's meant to be. I really don't know. Okay. But anyway, that's what the animation reminds me of. Mm-hmm. Interesting. The thing it reminds me of is like the old show Reboot. I don't know if you remember this. This is like a it was like an early 3D animated like kids show about some people living in a computer. And the, you know, the animation was, like, very stilted and awkward. Now, at the time, it looked cool. I mean, at the time, it was also deeply uncanny. But it was this moment of, like, what we thought computer animation could become. Like, this this little bellwether of, like, well, maybe it'll be this. And it ultimately wasn't. And, like, ultimately, like, 3D animated films have have not re-emulated the Monster House look. But it's a neat try. It's, like, a neat, like, draft of something. Like, an offshoot of what could have been. Sure. To me, it exists somewhere between, like traditional 2d animation and like what disney's doing now with like tangled and moana and stuff mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. is straight in the middle yeah because it's like there's like something more like heightened and stylized with like i mean disney gets a gets some fairly deserved guff for like a lot of their care their female characters looking essentially the same in those movies 
um, specifically how like frozen and tangled like the eyes are in the same place on those character models. But I think that like this is similarly Monster House is similarly like trying to like stylize and like accentuate the the human shapes while also still being like mostly grounded. Yeah. So that's the style, and I some part of me maybe still thought, yeah, this is stop motion. Not quite. It wasn't. It is close. It's fascinating. So, as I said, Robert Zemeckis is here to produce, partnered with Steven Spielberg. Best buddies. (laughs) I believe this was their first film together since Back to the Future Part 3. Nice. So, a little reunion. Welcome back, gang. Um, let's see. Edit this out. The ums and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ed Vero served as the production designer of Monster House. So to design the neighborhood where the story takes place, Burrow realized that the film setting need to resemble 1980s films, because it's in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So like E.T. Uh, Keenan, the director, was told the film setting was inspired by that of Wisconsin and Minneapolis. So Keenan and Burrow went together on a scouting trip to design the film's locations. This included a visit to Universal Studios' back lot. They got to see the suburban street of The Burbs. The neighborhood of the show, Desperate Housewives, and the house of Psycho. Wow. I think it's cool that they were like, we need to base it off of 80s movies. Not necessarily 80s actual architecture, but the version that got like documented. Mm-hmm. There's something very like culturally funny about how, you know, we're <laughs> the, the thing that's realer than the real thing is the thing that we saw on the big screen. There is very little that happens in this movie, though, that makes me think, oh, this has to be in 1980. Mm-hmm. Three or whatever. I said, there were a couple things like like him using that home phone and Star sixty nine ing when the phone rings. I was like, yeah, that phone model. It looks like the phone that like was in my house that had not been changed. Since well, yeah, the but house you was couldn't built. do that in two thousand six. You could have. I guess I feel like cell phones were a thing by then. They were. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Mm-hmm. But I think like but there like, were also houses where people did not have yeah. cell phones. Uh, like the cars. Look very 80s, and I think the yeah, I think it's mostly boils down to technology and this feeling of I would guess when the people making it were kids, so that's what it I would say probably boils down to. But I almost wanted them to either put more 80s stuff in it mm-hmm. or make it like more nebulous time wise. Yeah. You wanted to either be a Stranger Things yes. or just something that doesn't really, I mean, I guess it already doesn't kind of matter at all except in our <laughs> research, but yeah, uh, it was. Animated with a program called Autodesk Arnold. It was the first uh, feature film to use this. Other things that have used this program are Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, Alice in Wonderland, Thor, Captain America, X-Men First Class, Star Wars The Force Awakens, Blade Runner 2049, Game of Thrones, Westworld, and The Mandalorian. Crucially, those last few are mostly live action, supposedly. This again shows how like you know what is live action in the blockbuster world anymore if it's just like chris hemsworth flexing in front of a blue screen Mm -hmm. yeah i just read i was talking to this with some people yesterday uh this is a little rabbit hole maybe but i read like a little i guess it was probably more of a soundbite than an interview with elizabeth olsen and she was saying like not how embarrassed she was to be in the Marvel movies, but how mm-hmm. embarrassed she feels when they're just acting in front of the screen, green screen and you yeah. have to pretend like something so cool is happening. I bet, yeah. She said it feels very embarrassing. I also know that like for, at least in like the last Avengers films, like the directors would not necessarily tell them what was going on. Like Tom Holland notoriously did not know like who he was fighting in some fight scenes because they were just like, you're fighting a guy. Don't worry about it. I think as an actor, I would be so annoyed mm-hmm. if they were just like, just swing your fist at this tennis ball on a stick and take your money, idiot. 
Yeah. But then again, I'd be pay- getting paid millions, so I guess I could swallow my pride. Yeah, I'll try to hide my disdain for Marvel as a whole. I don't think we need to. I'm, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I, I, I do yeah. understand why people like them. Like, mm-hmm. I the spectacle of it all. And I think that the characters really do capture people. Mm-hmm. And I think that the actors in general do a good job with what they're given. But... I have but to what agree with like, yeah, and I have to agree with like Martin Scorsese that he, mm-hmm. you know, he came under a lot of fire for being like, this is like hurting movies as a whole. Did you see Guillermo del Toro's defense of Martin Scorsese? Mm-mm. Someone, like someone wrote a, a very like, just like clickbait capturing op-ed about Martin Scorsese and about how wrong he is and about how he's like overblown and a hack. And like... Just a, sort of objectively wrong. Um, <laughs> was like, listen, if God said I could shorten my life and extend Martin Scorsese's, I would take that deal. <laughs> Guillermo was like, Martin Scorsese is the best thing that's ever happened to film, and I would die for him. Absolute king. Guillermo's a real one. So going back to the script, which like I said, I think that's the star mm-hmm. of the film. So you had Dan Harmon and Rob Straub writing the script originally. They did not finish the script, notably, before they brought in Pamela Petler who had just come off helping to write the script for Corpse Bride. Wow, small world. Mm -hmm. So she was pretty hot right then. So she joined Monster House after the success of Corpse Bride to like touch up this script and not necessarily make it better, but put it more in line with what Gil Keenan was looking for Mm -hmm. as opposed to what like Dan Harmon and Rob Schraub were looking for. (laughs) Took out all the like meta touches and jokes about your mom. (laughs) I found a like quote that I thought was what? So apparently Dan Harmon was not happy with the film after it was made. He responded to a fan on Tumblr who had been complaining about how the film caused her kid to have nightmares. Like it was unexpectedly scary. He used to be really active on Tumblr. Well, he said, I will tell you a secret that sounds so silly you might not believe it, but this is true. I never finished writing Monster House before my bosses turned it into a movie. And then different writers, people I don't even know, changed the story in lots of ways. And the movie that you saw was not the story I wanted to tell you. He continued saying how even a story that is sad or scary should always make you a little less scared after you've seen it. A particular note, Harmon blamed Gil Keenan, the director, calling him a hack, and Steven Spielberg calling him a moron for its scarier than intended tone. He ended the note by saying, next time Monster House is on, just remember that the guy that wrote it told you it was dumb. (laughs) He later went to Twitter to clarify he didn't mean to disrespect Steven Spielberg, but he was frustrated that something he had a hand in writing terrified a child and he said the only thing Spielberg did to Monster House was give it a chance to be seen I don't think I've ever even met the guy there so that's his thoughts on Monster House which I think was actually a little too harsh Mm -hmm. no disrespect moron yeah the thing about it and like I will touch on the plot um though you know you can watch it you don't need to necessarily like break down play by play but There's a spooky house. They go in the house. They get out of the house. They destroy the house. The end. But at the end, I think it does leave you feeling a little hopeful and a little less scared. Like, the premise of the movie is this old man has a house. People lose their toys when it Mm -hmm. goes on his lawn. Because we we know, yeah, yeah, they think he takes them. We know the house takes them. Mm -hmm. The house harbors the spirit of his dead wife. Yep. It's we'll, classic we'll that. unfinished business ghost stuff. Yeah. At the end, though, he starts giving the toys back to the mm-hmm. kids in the town who are trick-or-treating. Like, that's pretty nice and no, hopeful. Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, the end is pretty, like, straightforward. I don't think there's any, like, lurking darkness. Like, yeah, the 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 
old man is free, the ghost, the spirit is free, the kids are like more mature and happy. I think maybe like if I were a kid, I remember seeing stuff that was scary and being like, well, this is all I'm remembering. I'm going to stop paying attention because I'm just freaked out. I specifically remember uh, Eddie Murphy vehicle, The Haunted Mansion. Are you um, familiar with this I film? actually really like that movie, even though I don't think it got very good reviews. I, I remember thinking, as a child, thinking it was decidedly mid, uh, which wow. says something. Okay. Maybe it's better in retrospect. I don't know. But I remember me, my dad, and my brother went to see it. And my brother got scared out of his wits, like halfway through, was like begging to leave. So my dad just left me alone in the theater to finish watching the film alone as he like counseled my brother to calm him down. I was like, I want to say, when did this film come out? I remember, I don't think it came out at like Halloween time. I think mm -hmm. it was a summer release. Yeah. Because I went with my family to see it in the movie theater, I believe when we were on like summer vacation at the beach. Nice. Okay, so I was 10, my brother was 8. And you know, something about those those spooky ghosties, the hatbox ghost <laughs> really got really to got him. him. Yeah. And I just remember being I was a little like, uh, ooh, but I wasn't really rattled by it. Yeah, yeah. Um not that I'm super tough. I just think it's like that's, you know, something about being eight years old. The world seems scary. Yeah. yeah. And when you're 10, it seems yeah. less so. Sure. So I think if that had in a similar situation, even though I think Haunted Mansion similarly ends with like, it's an Eddie Murphy comedy. Like, it's not going to be Nightmare on Elm Street. I think that the thing that my brother probably remembers of Haunted Mansion is being so scared he had to leave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if there's anything in Monster House that hits those highs. I would need to go back in time and watch this when I was eight. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, kid. Yeah. So, yes, Stan Harmon was much more, like, active on the internet previously yeah. um, than he is now. Which may be for the better. I think sometimes, like, especially when we feel like, oh, I must defend my craft. Yeah. We say things that are like, that's not really what I meant. Or mm -hmm. I just probably shouldn't have said that. Yeah, I mean, Harmon has, in recent years, like... Uh, like misconduct of his has come to light and like revealed him as like sort of a difficult person to work with mm -hmm. and sort of like uh, deeply temperamental. So I think getting off social media was probably like not just a good move for his health, but for like PR as well. Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, famously his misconduct was trying to push a relationship mm -hmm. with a subordinate um, who he should not have. You know, so yeah. he obviously has his own issues to work out. Yeah. But I, I definitely get what you're saying. Like, it, it all painted a picture together of someone mm -hmm. who is not the easiest person to work with. Like, if I was an accountant at, like, or, like, a producer at Adult Swim, I would be like, you need to delete Twitter. You need to throw your phone in a, in a river, <laughs> Mr. Harmon. You need to stop talking unless it's through the characters of Rick and Morty. And I will say, I would say that to many people, not even yeah. just celebrities. <laughs> like... To, to make people like you more, to make your life better, you have to shut up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> There's the bit in the Bo Burnham inside where he's just like, has anyone ever just shut up about anything? Has anyone ever just <laughs> shut the fuck up? <laughs> but anyway, those are Dan Harmon's thoughts on it. Yeah. It did not color my watch of the movie. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever. I still thought it was pretty good, actually. <laughs> I think it's, for an unfinished script, <laughs> really comes together in the yeah, end. Yeah. I, yeah. I wish all my unfinished things are as, as polished as Monster House. You know what? The whole team did a pretty good yeah. job putting it together. I wish then. someone would come in and finish my screenplays that are not done yet. <laughs> so we'll flush out the plot a little more. Uh, you have DJ. He lives in a home with his parents, who are just mom and dad. This they don't classic have classic suburbs. Names. Yeah. Yeah. Voiced by Fred Willard and Catherine O'Hara. Back in another two for two. Role. Second week. Also, dearly departed Fred Willard. You are yeah. dearly missed. King. What a talent. So he lives there. His parents are going out of town. He has a babysitter come. The uh, 
wonderful Maggie Gyllenhaal Maggie was Gyllenhaal, her yeah. Elizabeth who goes by Z because she wants to be She's like cool. punk rock. There's a fun reveal where she comes in uh, with like a like a pink hoodie on or something and she's being like very professional sounding and then DJ's like my parents are already gone and she like unzips it and reveals like a skull hoodie and like muscles her hair and she's like alright bet and like says <laughs> that I'm no longer gonna appear put together for the parents. So DJ has a friend named Chowder who is sort First of name little... Charles. We never find out his last <laughs> no. name, but he is referred to as Chowder exclusively. He's just like a little goofball. He's really fun. I think he He's was a He's your best friend character. character yeah. yeah. He also wears a cape. Did I miss why? Or is that just because it's Halloween? I think it's trying to be, because Chowder wants to go trick-or-treating. Right. DJ says he's too old. I think he's trying to show, like, he's still a kid. Look right. at him. He's ready cape. to trick-or-treat right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're there. Uh, they lose their basketball on Old Man. What is this? Oh, Nebercracker. Nebercracker's Voiced lawn. by Steve Bashimi. And since DJ thinks he's an adult, Chowder says, you go get it. So he goes over there. The old man comes out and seemingly dies on top of he DJ. He picks DJ up. He, like, hoists him up. That is kind of, like, as an adult, I think that's more alarming than to kids. Like, you can't just pick up a kid. Yeah. You can't pick up a child, sir. And then he appears to have a heart attack and falls, yeah, like you said, directly on top of DJ. And and we, until the end of the film, think he is he dead. He appears extremely dead. His yeah. eyes are open. So, like, for most of the movie, you think that the house is haunted by his spirit. Yes. And that DJ has, like, animated the house by killing this old man. <laughs> anyway, so the ambulance comes. They take him away. And at this point, Chowder says a line that has stuck with me my whole life. <laughs> I don't know why. He says, no siren, never a good sign. And I I believe I talked about the fact that my father is dead. Uh, When the ambulance took him away, they did put the siren on. Oh. (laughs) But I thought to my head, no siren, never a good sign. But there was a siren. (laughs) I know. But there were other instances, my dad had health problems for a while, where they would take him away and not use the siren, Uh, but it was because it wasn't an emergency. Okay. Well, yeah, that's what it means. That's the, and if he's already dead, then there's no emergency. Well, sure, but he wasn't dead at this yeah. point. Anyway, though, every I was a time, Nebercracker. Oh, yeah. yeah. Every time I see an ambulance without a siren that seems like it might have someone in, I think. Never a good sign. No siren, never a good sign. <laughs> I also want to shout out when Chowder loses his basketball in the lawn, he says that he's upset because it cost him $28, which as a kid I get. That's like a thousand kid dollars. This was the funniest line in the whole thing. He says, I mowed. Like he's like, I mowed a lawn and I asked my mom for a dollar twenty six times. I paid twenty eight dollars for that ball. I raked ten yards and asked my mom for a dollar twenty six times. He got two dollars for ten yards. That poor boy got twenty cents a yard. <laughs> I guess in the eighties that's different, but still, <laughs> not that good though. Still, that was very funny. Uh, I I feel like we don't do it justice. Go watch it, and yeah, you'll really no, laugh. That, the delivery was incredible. So. In the background, we've got a little girl from a private school who's coming around selling candy. Her name is Jenny, and she goes to sell candy at the Monster Mm -hmm. House. And this is after Mr. Nevercracker's taken away. They think it's haunted, all that jazz. Uh, And the house tries to eat her, and the boys have to save her. So then they team up, and they're like, Mm -hmm. we're going to figure out what's going on in this house. Jenny, unfortunately, goes to a private school, so it was difficult to like her or empathize (laughs) with her. Um, for me, at least. It's not her fault, Ryan. Sometimes people are just sent to private just schools. Just saying, the system. Maybe so. So that's how she gets in there. They team up. They go in the house. They discover that it, like, has, you know, moving body parts. Like, the front runner rug is its mm-hmm. tongue. Uh, this, like, chandelier thing is its uvula. The, the way the house 
like turns alive is very very cool where like the shutters around the windows like bend inward to make angry eyebrows and the like like slats of wood become its teeth uh it, it feels very intuitive and it's also just like a neat uh a, a neat effect it really makes you feel like the weight of this big house like breaking itself to be more threatening speaking of this uh monster house is having a little run on collider they this love month. it over there um they've put out two articles that feature it you know, this is an almost 20-year-old movie. But I thought they were both wonderful. They're both written by Rihanna Malice. Uh, and she talks about, like, the innovation of the house slash the concept of the house possession mm-hmm. as opposed to just, like, a spirit in the house. Right. Um, and I thought this was interesting. I didn't know this. When looking at very early concept designs for this movie, when it was planned to be live action, you can see this idea taken in more of a biological direction. The house having human organs, <laughs> an eyeball, and a fleshy yeah. tongue. A little similar to the end of Slither, which came out the same oh, that's year. that's a good movie. That's so, metal as hell. I want to see that version they separately. obviously changed it a little yeah. for the animation. Uh, it, Collider... Also ranked it among their 10 animated horror films to watch before Wendell and Wilde hits Netflix. Which is the new Henry Selleck jam. Yes, Jordan Peele as well, I Mm -hmm. believe, is working on that. So that's That's really cool. cool. Yeah, what's cool about the house is also that, like, the lawn itself is also part of it. And, like, the old dead trees outside the Mm -hmm. house also move and and are part of this, this organism. And I think that's really neat because, you know, when we find out that it's because there's this body buried in the foundation that is sort of like emanating bad vibes <laughs> that is like a like, like tree roots itself like everything in this space is is hers to like push and pull around uh you get shots of like at the beginning when there's a girl on the tricycle her little tricycle gets stuck in the grass and like at the time it seems like just weird but it's because like the grass is literally trying to hold her in place because it hates kids that much yeah same with the grass like Pulling the gurney that Mr. Mm. Nebercracker has wheeled Doesn't off on back. I want to take back. him away. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the story goes on. Mr. Nebercracker comes back and we're like, mm-hmm. oh my God, he's alive. We've, we've skipped over how there are two cops played oh, by yeah. Kevin James and, and father of millions, Nick Cannon. Yes. Um, the Genghis Khan of our age, <laughs> Nick Cannon. Um, and how they are like deeply ineffectual. Uh, on their police car, the motto says, we want to help. Which is like a disingenuous, but also just like a very funny way to show that your your police are like not actually worth a darn. Uh, if all they're like, yeah, we want to help. Yeah. Uh, when the kids ask them for help, they don't believe them, and then try to arrest them, and the kids yeah. are like, "Well, can't trust the government." Which is <laughs> that was funny. The, the kid, house does eat the cops. Yeah, though. because the kids try to drug it with a like dummy full of cold medicine that they mm-hmm. steal from the drugstore. Which I think sometimes in movies with kid protagonists, they come up with stuff that feels like that's a bit too clever for a child. You think like an adult clearly was just like, "Well, we got to make the script go." But I think that this is a very kid solution to the problem of a evil house um but they get arrested and then the nick cannon cop offhandedly threatens to shoot the children That's which true. i thought he was pulls realistic a gun out. says i'll shoot you and it's just like that it's in the middle of other like loose dialogue and i'm like there it is they knew they knew this cop knew mm-hmm. yeah um so mr nebercracker comes back and he yeah. reveals that it's his wife constance who has embodied the house and you get their little backstory constance was a fat lady in a circus mr nebercracker was in love with her it was called the giantess and was like appear visibly seemed to be like eight feet tall yeah that's yeah. true had like gigantism it seems so he says do you want to come live with me you don't have to be in the circus anymore and she's like yeah and they really are in love mm-hmm. and he's building their house 
like from the ground up when these Halloween trick-or-treaters come and like throw eggs at the house, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, and that makes her very upset. And then she like an accident happens and she dies. Yeah, she falls. She like accidentally turns on the cement pour mixer. Ah, I'm not a construction worker. The cement machine. Um, and like falls in as it's pour- it falls into like the deep foundation of the house as cement is being poured on top of her, and that is how she dies. So yeah. Mr. Nebercracker spends the rest of his life trying to keep kids away so they mm-hmm. don't get hurt. And also still trying to appease his wife, who he yeah. who he loved. Right. The whole time, it's not like at the end, like he seems relieved that it's free. But the whole time, he's not like I'm a prisoner. He's like, I love this woman so much, mm-hmm. I will stay loyal to her even as she's a ghost house. Also, well, the, the thing that like really sucks, other than the rest of it, is that everyone in town thinks that he killed his wife and mm-hmm. ate her. There's lots of references before about like old man Nebercracker like fattened his wife up so he could eat her, which is like you know deeply horrible to like be talked about as though you killed the woman you love yeah the, the real monster house is society tell them <laughs> the kids dj specifically convinces mr nevercracker that he doesn't have to live this way that it's not good for either of them and like they need to destroy the house so that they can both be free so they all team up together to do that they use dynamite that's great uh then that happens and that's when he starts giving the toys mm-hmm. back, which is very sweet. We've we've trunked it about t- like the last twenty minutes because it's a very protracted like action sequence mm-hmm. where they like get a crane, they blow the house up, and the house like puts itself back together. Then they blow it up again. I- I'd say this is probably the weakest part of the film. Yeah, <laughs> it's I just agree. Like, we I-, I get we got to get ninety minutes, but this is it feels. I think that modern horror. And I say modern, but like this, go, like this even happens in the thing. The things like Final Showdown has this problem of like somewhere along the line, we decided horror stories needed to like end with like a boss fight, mm-hmm. and we decided we needed to like have a moment where the character like gets a big gun and can shoot like the the horrible ghost demon. And I feel like that that tends to just like let the tension out, and that's like the weakest part of a lot of horror stories. But uh, yeah, those are those are my genre thoughts on horror. <laughs> I agree. Actually, that's when I start to tune mm-hmm. out a little. That's when they lose me. Yeah. Um, Though I still thought it was a great film. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how it ends. And then Jenny is going to still be their friend, even though she's going to private school. Yeah. So, even though great. she saw they pissed in bottles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The end. And everyone that got eaten by the house uh, gets to walk out of the basement. Uh, At the end, yeah. yes. Including... And I read it's so they could keep the PG rating. <laughs> they didn't have people just getting slaughtered left and right? Yeah. That makes sense. It's like you have to show they lived. Yeah. Like the cops. And then mm-hmm. there's like a punk rock character named Bones who got eaten. Bones, who is voiced by Jason Lee. He, I think his face is the scariest thing Ooh, in this film. Yes. He looks like he's wearing a zombie like mask the whole time. You know he looks like? <laughs> Who's he look like? Luann's husband from King of the Hill. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Lucky. Yeah, Lucky. Yeah. Just the color is off, like the eyes are off. There's something deeply un- unwelcoming about uh, Bones. Yeah. So the film came out in 2006. It was a huge box office success. It grossed $142 million against a $75 million budget. Those are numbers that obviously films just can't pull in anymore, mostly because, mm-hmm. you know, pandemic viewing. But also, let's place some blame. The Marvelification of the box office. Yeah. It's hard for non-superhero movies to really pull an audience. This is an especially hot topic right now with the, like, big box office bomb of bros. Yeah. Which I think there's a lot of complex, like, factors in there. Yes. I think that, like, I, no, I agree. I too. think homophobia is actually kind of low on the list of, like, things contributing to bros not performing well. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Billy. <laughs> yeah. And we don't have to go into bros, yeah. but I'm just, that's a hot topic right mm-hmm. now. 
I thought this was interesting. So we talked a little bit about, you know, not wanting it to be PG-13. Some critics said they thought it deserved a PG-13 rating and was a bit too much for kids. Mm. And there were things in it that had to be changed to get it. Uh, one notable line, Chowder has a line that says, DJ, you pee in bottles. It was originally you piss in bottles. That had to be changed. But be- apparently, if you look closely, you can still see him mouthing the word piss, which I think is fun. Yeah, then the victim's coming back to life. That helped maintain the PG rating. I I see in the notes you wrote, you don't think there's anything worse here than, like, Coraline. Mm-hmm. I actually agree, kind of. Yeah. And maybe that means Coraline got off easy, but... Uh. <laughs> maybe it's the difference of, like, stop-motion puppets yeah. and then, like, trying to make something almost realistic. Yeah. I don't know. Because even, like, the inside of the house with, like, the, the like, wood moving around and all the inner insides uh, churning and, like, being, like, sort of scary isn't that like harrowing in my opinion it's not that graphic or like visceral or anything i agree maybe it's like the notion of you've got a couple of like wild teenage characters Mm -hmm. and like the way that it sort of harkens back to movies even like it or nightmare on elm street yeah but like i mean even when you know even though no one actually dies in this uh like even like when people get eaten by the house it doesn't like chew them there's not like there's not like any there's no blood in this film. I realize I'm sounding just like a weird, like, sicko now. Like, wanting to know what it bleeds in Monster House. But I don't know. I guess I'm just, I'm not really sure of the MPAA's, like, mm-hmm. priorities or criteria here. Yeah. But I know that I'm not the first to be confused by that. Sure. Uh, critics also just really enjoyed the film. Roger Ebert gave it four out of four stars. That's his personal, you know, that's the highest rating he can give. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said it was on the same level as Tim Burton's work, which nice. I think is really cool. Some critics, though, did point out, like, the Harry Potterification of the main trio. Sometimes you gotta paint by numbers, you know? Because you've got DJ, who's sort of, like, the hero's journey kid. Mm-hmm. You've got his goofier sidekick in Chowder, who's the Ron. And then the, like, smart girl right. overachiever in Jenny, who's the Hermione. Uh, I will also say, there's a tree at the house mm-hmm. that I think they pulled straight from the Whomping Willow in Prisoner yeah, of Azkaban. Tree, yeah. They even, even though the animation they did with it, like having it pull the cop around to the camera and then mm-hmm. back, it was exactly what Alfonso Cuaron did in Prisoner of Azkaban, mm-hmm. which had come out two years prior. Hey, good shot. And I said, mm, that's Harry Potter right there. <laughs> There's also the bit where DJ looks directly at the camera and rattles off some biological essentialism that really hasn't aged well. I'm just talking about the film Prisoner of Azkaban. I'm not talking about the politics. As I've said, I agree with you. There's the bit where Jenny says that uh, slavery is good, actually, when it's magical racist. Okay, Hermione would not say that, though. She was the only one fighting against it. (laughs) Anyway, I thought it also had a lot of similarities to it. The, like, Tim Curry There's a very Stephen King vibe to a lot of this, um, for sure. Yeah. And then there are other references. The opening of the little girl on the tricycle is a reference to The Shining. So, yeah, you can definitely see where they were taking things from other horror mm-hmm. movies, similar to how Mr. Burton was doing in Frankenweenie. It also does the, it does the thing Frankenweenie doesn't, where, like, it begins on, like, something like a long following shot. Like, we get the, mm-hmm. the little leaf following the girl on her tricycle as we get the sense of this town. It's very funny that last week we were like, oh, Frankenweenie's the one Tim Burton movie that doesn't do this thing. And then <laughs> over here, they did do it. I don't know. That's something. <laughs> Cinema... <laughs> Uh, this film was released in 3D, as we talked about how they used to do mm-hmm. animated films in 3D. Um, they don't do it anymore, that which opening, is our loss. 
Yeah, that's a shame. That opening again is the most 3D because that that leaf keeps like going back and then like right at the screen and then mm-hmm. like back away again. It's the most like whoa, whoa. <laughs> I know we've spoken about like 3D animated film releases mm-hmm. in theaters before. It's such a product of the time though. Like, yeah. it, honestly, it was gimmicky, but Maybe I liked more it. Gimmicks. They yeah. got me in. Would love a pair of flimsy glasses right about now. <laughs> Let's see. Do I have any other trivia today? Oh, there's a beautiful, like, photorealistic picture of a schnauzer on the wall of DJ's parents' house, mm-hmm. which I noticed as because my <laughs> mother has three schnauzers. So that was great. I yeah. really enjoyed that. Also, a little fact. In the German version, the characters <laughs> of Bones, Skull, and Chowder are named Punk, Freak, and Ketchup. <laughs> they name this bitch Ketchup. <laughs> the whole movie, they're talking to Ketchup. What is ketchup in German? Do they do they just say like, "Ale ale ketchup"? Or like, no, is I don't. It the I would guess it's ketchup? a German word for ketchup, but maybe that oh, is wow. ketchup. Let's see. It yeah, is it just ketchup. Yeah, ketchup. Yeah. Okay. Great. Der ketchup. <laughs> As we mentioned, John Heater is in this, so he's coming off of Napoleon Dynamite right at this ago. time. Yeah. Uh, he's still, you know, pretty hot in Hollywood mm-hmm. and beyond. And as we talked about, they all had to come to set to film with everybody. And Mitchell Musso and Sam Lerner, who voice DJ and Chowder respectively, were apparently so excited to see John Heater. And they screamed and jumped on him. Oh, nice. Because they had seen Napoleon Dynamite before. Before or after he broke his ankle? Hard to say. (laughs) Probably after. I don't know. Hopefully. He's good. He should be in more things. I know. He is good. He's pretty good. He's a good actor. I feel like he got sort of like pigeonholed after Napoleon Dynamite. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Like in here... He's playing a very different character. This is a very, like, Stranger Things character. His, yeah. like, pizza boy video game, like, uh, master who is an uh, ma- expert on the paranormal. And I was like, oh, this is a neat guy. I wish he was in more of the movie. Yeah. He also hasn't been doing very much. He's been doing more voice acting lately. He's got, like, a recurring role in Star Wars The Forces of Evil, I think. Oh, okay. Well, when people who were, like, seeming like they were about to be, you know, the next big thing, whatever... Mm-hmm sort of pull back I do always wonder like is this by choice like they realize oh I don't want to be a celebrity I don't want to work in that way or is it like there just aren't the The roles yeah yeah. but I mean I mean hopefully his residuals from Napoleon Dynamite keep him fed you gotta think I feel like it's on Comedy Central a lot constantly yeah (laughs) I would watch it every time (laughs) I love Napoleon Dynamite I saw it for the first time like maybe three years ago Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is... Wait, for real? Yes, I had never <laughs> seen it before. And I worked at a theater company then, and we had a movie night where in the theater, we like put up a projection screen that's, and watched it. That's great. It what a was great way to wonderful. See it. And the end with the yeah. dance. What a showpiece. What a, what a really fascinating film of just like very Made low with key. a shoestring budget. Yeah. I mean, like a million dollars, which I know sounds... Maybe less, mm-hmm. which I know to us normies sounds like a million dollars. But in movie dollars, that's like that's, $28. Yeah, it's yeah. absolutely nothing. So... Voice actor uh, Diedrich Botter is in that as the karate guy. Rex Kwando. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't think it had aged as poorly as like maybe... You know, would have been feared. I think it kind of it hasn't really age point, but it feels like a period piece almost. Oh, like it feels so this intentional. Budget. It was not a million dollars, a four hundred thousand dollar budget. Holy shit! Wow. Once again, to to me, if I someone gave me four hundred thousand dollars, oh my god! I mean, I'm the king of the world. Yeah. <laughs> but for a movie, that's yeah. wild. And generally, the budget. Someone, if you know more about me mm. than this, send me an email. Includes like you know they're marketing, but they're paying the actors. Yeah. The actors are not making a lot for a film like this, you know. Yeah. Um, That's wild. Yeah. So. And then they went on to make 
$46.1 million. Pretty good. The return on this project. Absolutely. Well, with overhead this low, like you gotta imagine, like, oh, I'm sure we'll make some kind of profit, but still, incredible. I mean, I guess they could have not, you know, if yeah. it had just stayed at like the, like indie the film festival level. Yeah. level, you're not gonna make like any money. Yeah. And then you've lost four hundred thousand dollars. Well, I'm glad they. Uh, but would still be it. way less money than like Amsterdam lost this past yeah. week. Sorry, Dave. And that man is, in yeah. my opinion. That man is a villain. Yeah, when I say sorry, I don't mean it. <laughs> we, we don't have to get yeah. into David O. Russell, but you know, if you yeah. don't know about, I guess you can just Google him. I hate him. Bad. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so right. yeah. Well, that's Monster House. Yeah, pretty fun. Pretty good. A uh, little spooky season. Watch. So, had you seen it before we watched it this time, yes. Ryan? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think I, I didn't see it in theaters, mm-hmm. but I definitely I think I caught it on like IFC in high school or something. And I was like, ah, oh, sweet Monster House. Yeah. And I then I realized. Also seen it. Yeah, and then when I realized it was by, like, Dan Harmon, I was like, oh, let me go reappraise that, because I was big in the community when, mm-hmm. I first, when it was airing. My mom owns Monster House on DVD, I believe. Sick. Nice. She likes Monster She's a House fan. a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because of the Schnauzer picture? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it, like, incepted her. She yeah. probably didn't realize it was there, it. and then yeah. was like, why do I love this why movie? I love this movie so much. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. Like I said, I think that the script is the star. I mm-hmm. think it's genuinely funny, and not at, like, just a kid level, but also not in a way... That's like, oh, only the parents will get this one. Right. This one's for them. It is all ages which I in hate. the most like actually good way to use that term. Yeah. yeah. I think I think visually it is like deserves to be in the Library of Congress. Like I think like <laughs> the, it's so interesting. It's so distinct. It's like no one is doing it like this, like for good or for ill. I think it's really, really a fascinating sort of uh would have been could have been moment of like animation i will say i think the opposite i think it's so <laughs> like deserves to go to hell no i i think it's so like in the middle like the, of like animation styles mm-hmm. that it becomes nothing to me wow. that i'm not looking at the animation anymore Dang. i'm just like yeah i'm watching a movie wow wow fair enough <laughs> <laughs> well uh, you don't have to come to my library of congress collection you don't have to come to mine it will feature things like Greta Gerwig's Little Women. Wow. And, uh, Sailor Moon. <laughs> the full series? Yeah. Oh, there are movies, but anyway. <laughs> Anywho, uh, great. So now let's do a little bonus segment I want to call House Calls. Uh, Brooke, what's your experience with haunted houses? Oh, wow. Do you mean like legit haunted or like either one because i know you've also worked some like mm. halloween events so we can we can start there okay well I, yes so in high school i did like community theater and the community theater would do like i think we only did it one year i'm i can't imagine we made a lot of money um it was like a haunted house sort of thing through the theater so there were different rooms that were based on different movies mm-hmm. uh so i worked that like as a volunteer and one i i was someone from the strangers sometimes Sometimes I was Mrs. Lovett from Sweeney Todd. One night. Dream roll. One night I sat under a black sheet behind a chair and moved it with a piece of fishing line for like five hours. <laughs> I believe I Lamer couldn't have life. my phone. We were not allowed to have our phones. Damn. So it's just me back there. Just you and the fishing line? Yes. Wow. And then every once in a while you would hear people be like, oh, the chair, it's moving. 
That's why you do it. And it was me. That's moving the gratification. And sometimes they would come close and I'd be like, God, don't, <laughs> don't find me don't out. fucking look under here. Oh, I hate going to haunted houses. I, I really like scary movies. I don't like haunted houses. Mm-hmm. There's too much you like the, the distance the of the screen. Yeah. When you go to Scarowinds, you're in the no-boo list, right? Oh, my sister, I went to Scarowinds with her. I'm sure she had a terrible time because <laughs> I won't do anything. I will not do any of the haunted houses, even the ones that look like they're for kids. I'm like, nope, can't be me. There's something embarrassing to me about mm-hmm. being scared. So you combine fear and embarrassment. That's awful. Too much. Talking about like actual haunted houses or have I been to a house that like Yeah, is have you ever been to a house where the vibe was just off? Not really. I do remember though one time, this is less haunted house, more like paranormal activity. Sure. Um way. We were on a school trip for forensics, which is the competitive speech and debate and acting. Um, and we were all like in hotels and we were in there playing with a Ouija board, which you probably shouldn't First do. First mistake. And the person moving it was like, if you're here, knock on the wall. And we did hear a very distinct knock on the wall. Wow. I didn't think anyone was sitting over there. Someone could have been and Damn. did it, but I didn't think so. So that's my only like ghost adventures experience. I would say if ghosts are real. Mm-hmm. Law of averages, most hotels are probably haunted. Yeah, somewhere that's true. in there. Maybe not every room, but I think you just like on a large enough scale with enough people passing through, probably every hotel ha- would have some spirit or ghosty in there. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Now, what about you, Ryan? I mean, I never worked a haunted house. I definitely remember in high school one time, me and some friends went to one. Was not my idea, but you know, went along with it. Um, and I remember like we were like going through it, getting scared and such, and like running, and like we went like we went down a hall and a guy jumped out with like a chainless chainsaw and he like grabbed that at us and we screamed. But then we just stayed there because we thought that we were, we needed to get like around him and he just like looked at us and we looked at him and this chainsaw's running and then eventually he just points to the exit, like to the <laughs> left, and we, I think I think I said, Thank you, and we just ran out. And that's my main horror story. My main haunted house memory is of that like awkward, very embarrassing mm-hmm. exchange. Like, God, we're scared and we look fucking stupid. <laughs> we're too dumb to make it through. The- it's not even a maze. It's a it's a hallway. The fear got us. Um, I do think that the last apartment I had in Columbia, South Carolina, was haunted. Now I also was in that apartment frequently, yeah. and I disagree. Vibes were just off. Also, yeah. what was our cat meowing at at like two or three in the morning? Not us. He was just a weird cat. Maybe, but... He was a sweet boy, but a weird boy. He saw ghosts. He had the shining. He had the shine to him. He could see things others couldn't. Okay. Also, that haunted Bible that some people brought from a mental asylum and left at my house. Not that house, though. Not that, but the Bible came with us. Okay. And one time we tried to throw that Bible out, and it did find its way back in the apartment. Yeah, probably one of you put it back in. Why would we do that? I believe you would have. Ghosties. Anyway. Anyway. Well, that's been... Ha- what do you think makes a haunted house? Ghosts. Ghosts? You don't think sometimes just the vibe is off? No. Because in, like, Hill House, that's a haunted house that's just, like, this place just sucks. There were ghosts in there, though. It, because of the, the place just sucking. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like in the, in the book, the TV show is a little different. So but, here's my question to you. Yeah. Do you think if you had died in your apartment mm-hmm. in South Carolina, it would, you, it would have forced you to haunt it. I don't know. That depends on if I'd accepted the love and glory of Jesus Christ into my heart. Okay. <laughs> in time. No, I don't know. I, maybe. I might be haunting that still to this day. Okay. I do wonder, do you have to die there? Because like... Or would you come back? Like yeah. if you died here, mm-hmm. you would come back and haunt like, there. If you die in a plane crash, mm-hmm. are you just haunting the open air? Are you well, just haunting outside? Is, 
Does everyone become a ghost? Well, no. I guess you need the unfinished business. Yeah. Yeah. So I probably would be. Workaholic like me, I'll probably be a ghost forever. But mm. That sounds <laughs> so, miserable. I'll see you in heaven eventually. But Thanks. <laughs> Great. So that was house calls. <laughs> house calls. Uh, before we go, we do need to check back in on another hot button issue in animation. Yes, it's time for the animation news. Beep, 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 beep. Mario talks. Here's a Mario. The trailer came out for Super Mario Brothers, the movie. Uh, listeners may recall on our Over the Gardenal episode with special guest Freddie Powers where we talked about the casting announcement for the Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh, a trailer is out now. Brooke, you've seen the trailer. I did see the trailer. What'd you think? It was fine. That's the thing. Like, it actually looks fine. I think Jack Black is Bowser is, like, pretty darn good. And Keegan-Michael Key is Toad. Pretty good Toad. I think he's found a good balance that you can sustain for a movie. Yeah. Um... What do you think of Chris Pratt? You know, he to be fair, he says like two things in the trailer. Honestly, I couldn't really even pick the yeah. accent out very well That's just because it showed him speaking like two lines. Yeah. His first line, no accent. And then he says like, here we come. And it's like, cool, you were in a deli in New York once. <laughs> I guess that's yeah. the vibe they're going for is mm-hmm. like... Deeply disappointing. I walk in, I walk in the deli hey, and I'm walking here. Sandwich. Yeah. I walk into pipes. I eat a mushroom. <laughs> Which, that's fine. Um, yeah. I don't know that I will watch it. I will. I will for the podcast. Yeah, we'll watch it. Um, I, Ryan will probably see it in the movie theater. Maybe I will if I'm feeling generous. You went and saw the not good Doctor Strange movie in a movie theater. <laughs> you wouldn't go with see this. you. Yeah, I mean, we'll go together, yeah. Eh, maybe. I didn't maybe. go see Dragon Ball Z with you, though. That's true. I mean, that's just, that's a bridge too far, I think. <laughs> Yeah, so keep an eye out for yeah. more than the just the teaser trailer for that Mario. But uh, I would say that we are uh, certainly not overwhelmed and not exactly underwhelmed. I would say that I am particularly whelmed by this trailer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's your that's your uh, Mario Brothers movie update. <laughs> so Brooke, do you have a real world recommendation for the people? I do actually. All right. I think it's almost an unachievable one. Let's at hear this it. Point uh, on Monday. We got to see Harry Styles yes. in concert, his Love on Tour tour uh, mm-hmm. that somehow is still going like two years since its start. Hey, love never stops. I thought it was wonderful. He was just like, and I, I will say me personally, I wasn't really into One Direction. I'm not a Harry Styles super fan, though I do like his music. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this man's just a rock star. He's so like charismatic and sounded fantastic. Mm-hmm. So if you can get tickets to any of the remaining dates or remaining cities, I think it's definitely worth it. Even if you're like, eh, I'm, a, I'm not like a super fan. Like, Sub so shout out to Jesse Ware who opened for him. Mm-hmm. Great also performer. Great. great voice. Very like disco, like influenced pop music, but really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Really good act. I agree. So yeah, I would say if you can get a ticky <laughs> to <laughs> Go treat yourself. It. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan, what's your real world rec this week? Oh, it's so Harry Styles we saw in concert. No, not that. Because <laughs> we already did that. Well, is that what you were going to do? No. Oh, uh, okay, good. <laughs> I'll say, so I'm going to... Hmm, can we do other animated things for our real world recommendations? Like, no, probably not, actually. We can't. But if there's something no, you we really won't. want to do... No, Well, tell us what you were going to do. So the thing... So the... There's been one episode, like, yesterday or the day before of the time recording. So this week... Uh, the first episode for an anime called Chainsaw Man uh, premiered. That is a show about like a, like a burnout guy who gets a chainsaw demon in his chest and he turns into a big chainsaw man and fights other monsters. That sounds very like silly and like basic anime-y. To a degree, you're right. But what's fascinating is how like quickly this show burns through plot. 
in uh, like the manga is like fascinating because it's like as much story as like a 500 issue series, but in like less than 80 chapters, uh, you could like read all of it in like a day. But it's just like great pacing and really, really neat stuff. And it's also like friggin' very, very gorgeous uh, production. But that's not my real No, it is. It somewhat. is. You've, okay. you've, well, already, there you've it talked is. about right. it. That's it. Chainsaw Man. No, you know what? Read the Chainsaw Man manga. That's what it is. That's okay. my real wreck. Is read the read the book first. Very nice. Yeah. So we did it. Brooke, where can the folks find you online? You can find me on the internet on the Twitter at TheBrookeSmith, on Instagram at WhoIsBrookeSmith, and on my website, BrookeAaronSmith.com. You can find me online on Twitter at RyanWithCheese, on Instagram at RyRyBooGuy. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at CartoonBookClub. Send us a message or a question or a compliment or just anything on your mind. Send us a diary entry at CartoonBookClubPod at gmail.com or just DM us on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And where else would we, we would love to hear from you is in reviews and ratings. So please give us uh, five stars and a little write-up if you wouldn't mind. doesn't have to be long. doesn't even really have to be about the show. You could write a knock-knock joke in your review. That's fine, as long as we get those sweet, sweet numbers. We do want to hear from you, but if, you know, writing an essay is too much, then we don't want to put it on you. that makes sense? That does make sense. Is this sense. an okay pitch? Am I Sure. <laughs> is this too, like, soft sell or but too hard? if you're just a casual listener, we thank you for that as well. Yeah, it we appreciate really it. It really means a lot to us as it we does. continue to make the pod. Mm-hmm. And until next time, which is next week for more Halloween Woo! happenings, uh, the state of animation is... Monster! Monster! Nation of Animation is hosted by Ryan Stevens and Brooke Aaron Smith and produced by Danny Mendoza. Our show art is by Hirvashi Lele and our theme music is by Jacob Minky. Be sure to follow us at Cartoon Book Club on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening! Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.